Hey. Hi. Hey. Hi. This is In at the End. The podcast. The podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Val. And we don't have anything else besides a podcast, so. No, this is our whole life. Yeah. <laughs> this is what we do. And this is uh, Sopranos, season two, episode two, Do Not Resuscitate. We're going to talk about it. Yep. As always, we watch the show, and then we come and talk about it. Yeah, using Alex's music room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? Um, I want to talk about characters. Okay. Which ones? Mostly, well, I think for this episode, for me, um, Livia, Janice, mm-hmm. Bobby Bacala. Mm, great introduction of a new character. Yeah, I yeah. love Bobby. He's a great character. And, of course, there's some other characters. We get a little bit of pussy. Mm-hmm. We Skip. Get, we get a new character. We get Skip, yeah. yeah. It's funny how that's just one scene in this episode that we get um, pussy and Skip. Is it just one? Is there two? Maybe? Well, I guess you kind of have pussy coming out of his surgery. Yeah. Or steroid injection. Yeah. Or whatever. It's another very disorienting introduction of something in this show. We have a character who's really looks like another mob character. Kind of yeah. like blurring the lines between yeah. the enforcement and the mob world. Wearing a tracksuit. Yeah. Having the kind, same kind of build. We think he's just as, kind of like an underling at yeah. first, right? Yeah. I mean, all signs and all kind of initial gut reactions to seeing that character would lead us to believing that he's just an unknown member of the mob we haven't met especially because we're meeting so many new characters totally. right now in the second season yeah but yeah they really blur the lines with that yeah well and then we have um that interaction between him and pussy right where pussy's talking about his back surgery he's like i don't think my back feels all that much better yeah and then he says i've got to get in my jacuzzi that's right? very interesting. So that's interesting in terms of I what gotta we had. I got to get my jacuzzi. I got to get my jacuzzi. And also he when, lies about not seeing Tony. That's another thing. Yeah. He says, Skip says, have you seen Tony yet? And he says, like, no, yet. I haven't come back yet. So but there's yeah. a lot of dishonesty. But the jacuzzi thing, well, for those of you who don't remember, goes back to when Polly was trying to get Pussy to go into the um, the baths. Have a schwitz. Have a schwitz. And he said that his doctor said that that's not good for his back, right? Which was very believable at the time. I mean, that was kind of as much as we could believe. It seemed very truthful, but there is kind of, you know, a statement now that we know that it's not. Yeah. Um, But that's all we get of them. Yeah. We'll get more of Skip. Yeah, but I mean, that does answer a lingering question. And it's interesting for the show that's so ambiguous at times. They've dealt so much closure at the end of the first season and now some of those residual questions have already been answered. I like how they give it to us right up front there. Yeah. I like I really like that. Well it just and, kind like, of and they don't make a big deal of it. No. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just kind of like it is what it is. We get some comments like he's been working with them since ninety eight. Yeah. So we don't know if that's like pre first season or during first season or it came out in ninety nine and it was filmed in nineteen ninety eight. But I don't think that that kind of timeline is specifically referenced in the show. We know it's very much around there. But again, that's an ambiguity. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though, this show has now made a pattern of revealing these important plot developments in seemingly unimportant ways. Mm. So we have major points of the story developing 
through people's subconscious or kind of just being thrown at us or major events just happening in the blink of an eye, like Vin McKayzian jumping off of the bridge. And that's a really interesting way to kind of break the TV trope, I think, too, yeah. that this show does. It's very unpredictable in terms of how it develops the like actual story. Yeah, I just love that this thing with Pussy happens at just the very beginning of the episode. Like yeah. usually like in normal TV, that would be like an end of episode cliffhanger, you know, like right. it would be this thing. Or right? end of season. Totally. Yeah. Whereas this is just like, just we're like, what's even going? Like we didn't know he was yeah. going in for this surgery at all. Like we're just like, what happened to Pussy? Well, and interestingly too, this is almost the beginning of Pussy actually getting a lot of screen time. This mm -hmm. is actually almost the introduction of his character. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, we really he don't was know around, him before this. He was around, and he was introduced especially near the end of season one. But he's completely a lesser character, and then he actually disappears. Yeah. So it's interesting, actually. Like, his arc, actually, rather early, he has to grapple with, and we have to grapple with him being an informant. Yeah. 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 No, I think, like, it is, like, we are getting to know him. Like, this is... A big part of who he is as a character it's a big part of his arc Definitely. so you know we really didn't know pussy before yeah um i wanted to talk i don't know maybe i should just jump right into it but i wanted to talk about livia because there were mm -hmm. some really interesting things for her in this episode so we have her she's still in the hospital post this you know like whatever they're calling this non-stroke that she had and this yeah face-saving therapy <laughs> so that she can feel like she's receiving therapy. Um, but she changes her tune on a couple of things this episode, which <laughs> I thought was really interesting. Yes. So the first one that we see is that she's talking to Janice. And we have we used to see her always, whenever Johnny Soprano would come up, she would be saying, like, he was a saint. He was a, yeah, right? He was a saint. And then in this episode, she actually is saying to Janice, like, you didn't know what kind of man your father was. Like, you didn't know what it was like to, yeah. to live with him, right? So we see this very opposite thing. The other thing we see her say, and I thought this was really funny, and it's very Livia in a lot of ways, too, maybe funnier than the thing about Johnny Soprano. But um, she talks about, she's like, Janice says, do you want to go back to your house? Mm -hmm. And she says, oh, no, I want to go back to that other place. And Janice says, Green Grove. And she yeah. says, she says, I thought you didn't like it there or whatever. Yeah. And she says, it's not so bad. You get yeah. fresh towels get fresh every day. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really great. I mean, we always assumed that, you know, Johnny Soprano was not the best guy to live with and that there were issues there, but we never heard her say it. No. Um, likewise, we kind of saw that in some ways she did enjoy her time at Greengrove, but she never would have said that before. So yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Totally. No, I think that in this episode, actually, there was a lot of people changing their tunes in a way that fit them in the moment to manipulate the people around them. Mm. I found that that was happening a lot. And maybe it does stem from Livia because with the introduction of Janice, we have one of the most sociopathic characters the show ever develops. Yeah. But we have kind of a new level of manipulations, and I felt like everybody was constantly changing their tunes. In fact, it was interesting, the one that you brought up right before that, I liked just like a completely tiny thing. But in the beginning, she's complaining about her tapioca and how she wants the ice cream. And then when Janice comes, she's like, oh, would you like some of my tapioca after trying to replace it like she's like trying to give it to her as this like friendly good-hearted mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. but 
we know that she hated it and was just complaining about right. it. But it's also it also plays into this show, people using food amongst other things to manipulate people. And something that, that led into really interestingly for me was people using music to manipulate people. Right. And that plays into Janice with Meadow, who all of a sudden is kind of a different character when she's associating with Meadow. Mm. And she's also like a different- the fun aunt. The fun aunt, right. And she says, how about grandma in that rehab center? She can kind of prey off of Meadow's concern for her grandmother that she feels. And she asks her, you know, what does she like? What's she interested in? She gets the information about the DeCastro sisters saying, you know, like, oh, that makes sense. It was too easy to be something more obvious than that. And Mario Lasagna, which is right. obviously not his real name. That's a good name, though. Yeah, but <laughs> it's a good name. It's a good name for a singer. But it's interesting how then... She goes, and she talks about, I never forgot how much you love a good tenor. And she did forget. Yeah. She did not remember that. She got that information from Meadow, and she made a calculation that by bringing up that information, it was something that she could use against her to get into the house. So we can see her maneuvering. Mm -hmm. And we can see the steps of it. And so she manipulates Meadow in a mm -hmm. way to get information, privileged information. And then she brings it, and then she kind of changes face too, saying... You know, there's like soft light on her from the window mm -hmm. and she's kind of smiling. I never forgot how much you love a good tenor. Well, she did. She did not remember Yeah. what actually was something that her mom cared about. Yeah. I also thought that on first listen that she says, I never forgot how you like a big tenor. And I thought it was another fat reference well, there's a lot in, fat this references episode, in this but episode. Maybe we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but any, and yeah, so totally. A Pavarotti joke. <laughs> Pavarotti you know? joke, a good Pavarotti joke. Yeah. It's interesting, too, how there's that focus on music, and then it cuts to Janice driving in her car, now smoking pot, listening to Paul Simon. Yeah. Two things that Livia clearly would not approve of. Right. So, yeah, she's kind of a, a different person and has different tastes and is actually quite far from what Livia is looking for. Yeah. Um... The other thing, and I guess like maybe we can kind of branch into Janice a little bit, but um, we also see like these kind of, not so much like using, like manipulating people in such a way, but we see a couple times in this episode, like things that are like very reflected of each other, right? Like it's these like lines are used in the same way. Uh, and the one I was going to point out um, before when I was talking about the kind of flip on Johnny Soprano and actually saying like he was a terrible guy to live with. Mm -hmm. um, it was interesting when they're sitting at the dinner table with Janice yeah. and the rest of the Soprano family and they're talking about, and Janice is kind of like complaining about Livia at this point. Mm -hmm. She says she's a complete narcissist. She's always like me, 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 <laughs> right? right. Um, we see Tony then talking about like, oh, like young guys, they're no good these mm -hmm. days or whatever. They're all me, 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 right? Mm. So we see him reflect that. But anyways, but so now I'm talking in circles. But when they're at the dinner table and Janice says she's a narcissist, me, 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 she says to, to Tony, kudos, you're a saint. Yeah. And she calls him a saint yeah. for like putting up with Livia right. or whatever. And so it is funny how these people who have to put up with Livia, mm -hmm. which, you know, Johnny would have had mm -hmm. to as well, even though he was probably a piece of shit also. Um, 
that he was definitely a piece of shit. Yeah, I mean they're all they're all pieces of shit, really, like truly. It's a spectrum of shittiness. But yeah, but I thought that was interesting that like reflection of the me me me. We also have two times that where well a couple times that World War Two and World War Two yeah. vets are mentioned, right? So we have in the lawyer's office Junior being referred to as a World War Two vet. Um, he says that an ankle like an ankle tracker sounds like Nazi Germany, which was mm-hmm. pretty. Um, astute <laughs> of him um, but then we also have um, Reverend James Senior mm-hmm. who like we see pictures of him when he was in the war Tony thinks he might like the History Channel um, and then we have the final kind of discussion between Reverend James Junior and yeah. Tony in the end after his the father has died um, talking about kind of like the greatest generation mm-hmm. and stuff like that and then my last one is just as a reflection from Last week, um, I wrote down, I didn't talk about it in, in last episode, mm-hmm. but in both last episode and this episode, we have Tony say in each episode two times, she's dead to me, mm-hmm. and then Livia say one time, let me die hmm. in both episodes. So they're clearly like, again, with this DNR kind of yeah. talk, right? They were establishing that last episode. And then... I guess we also have, like, between... We have a lot of scenes between Janice and Livia, which I really love, and maybe we want to break them down a little bit more. But we also have Livia kind of, I don't know, for the first time maybe, like, almost calling people out for what they are also, right? So she says to Janice, you're here because uh-huh. you want to take my house, which is <laughs> totally true, right? That was astute, yeah. And, and she really got that. And she warns Carmela when she calls the house at and the end. And she warns Carmela that Janice is a snake, snake. in the grass. Yeah. Um, she, yeah, I, I just found that really interesting that she, like, would come right out and mm-hmm. say that. And then we have her manipulating Janice later when she's doing her session with the nurse and she like she's like, oh, I'll give you all my money, right? And then she's like, didn't I tell you where I hid my money, right? right? Like, I thought that scene was really well done. Again, it's one of these scenes where, as a viewer, you're left like, is she senile mm-hmm. or is she doing this on purpose? Because she plays it so well. She's kind of a master. Yeah, she's a total master of doing that. Well, and the fact too that you see the stairs in the background, Janice seeing yeah. Livy actually falling down the stairs. That's, that's such a weird. That's a weird soprano. It's weird, scene. but actually, that becomes such a potent symbol in the show. Stairs. Yeah. And I don't think that's something that we've talked about that much. So for me, that was almost like the introduction of that symbol into the language that they're building. I, I get that. I mean, I didn't think they needed to like put Livia's face onto a char- onto like a falling <laughs> character. Like I kind of got it. Right. Just cuz yes. they were like flashing back and forth and then they like put her face onto yeah. it. That was a little much for it me. It was a, it was a little stronger than they normally go. Yeah. But it's interesting to think of that scene in particular as heavy-handed as it was because as this season and subsequent seasons go on, we're going to see a lot of cruel moments happening on stairs to a lot of different characters totally Totally. and so i recommend for viewers to pay attention to stairs when they show up in the frame and when events happen around stairs because i think that really does become a symbol that we'll be talking about in episodes yeah and well we know the story we already had like one mention of stairs right about like livia laughing while johnny boy soprano fell down the stairs or something that's right right that's right we did Um, talk about it in that episode yeah. yeah Um, so already it's kind of referencing itself. Yeah. The other thing in terms of Livia, um, and there's kind of like, there's two mentions kind of of Janice 
um, leaving and coming back and things like that. But Livia says to her, you could never stand it here. You could never stand yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like a, a great line in terms of Janice because we really do see that she plays this character. And I think like people who play a character like they do. They don't like who they really mm-hmm. are, right? So they're trying to put on this other yeah. facade. But it's you can see right through it, right? Yeah. Like like that scene that you mentioned where we see Janice like standing in the window kind of like looking angelic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we have a scene right after where we kind of like we see her without that light on her and right. she has this like ugly face going right. on, you know? So yeah. Um, it's I mean, hard. She's all over the place. Almost yeah. with every character, she's acting in a different way. Yeah, totally. She's constantly, constantly manipulating. One that we didn't talk about, too, is actually when she's talking to Livia about going back to the nursing home. And Livia says, you know, it's not so bad there. And then Janice actually starts to say, it's dangerous there. You know, and that guy, they suspect foul play. Maybe he's gone like, now it's just getting kind of preposterous that she would be arguing that she shouldn't be returning because of the danger, especially because their family's the one that's responsible yeah. for anything happening to him. If there's danger coming from anywhere, it's from within their own family. Totally. They've actually brought danger to Greengrove. Totally. Right? Yeah. But it's also clearly an attempt to manipulate because Livia returning to Greengrove isn't in the interest of Janice. Yeah. So that introduced something interesting for me, which is that I think there's a lot of examples in this episode of different characters who change the tune of what they're saying and purposefully misreport facts or stories in order to serve their own purpose and mm. like, i thought that there was a a fair amount of examples so i mean there was that one i was just saying there's um well, there's Reverend, there's Reverend James, James yeah, Jr., course. right? Like, we don't know until the very end of that episode that he and Tony were involved in this whole, like, were involved in, like, setting up this whole yeah. protest slash riot thing yeah. going on, right? Mm-hmm. We only see Tony interacting with the senior, yeah. Reverend James. Well, um, indir- and indirectly with the foreman. Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. But we don't know that they were both in on it until that's, that's very late in the episode. Yeah. And Tony didn't even let... Like, let anyone else really, know about that. He didn't let the yeah. foreman know or the guys who he had going in to beat them up, right? Like, Yeah, it's interesting. He's really playing all sides against each other, yeah. which is exactly what Skip says to Pussy yeah. in the car. Oh. Play them against the middle, right? Yeah. So, it, and I, I feel like that's what all characters are doing. Yeah. I mean, there's such a taboo against ratting, you know, or going against the family, and yet all these characters are abusing trust and manipulating and telling stories all the time we have aj bringing up the dnr to livia's again he's just oh, ruining he's ruining everything, everything all the time that's basically the only purpose of aj as a character right now is to ruin things that people aren't supposed to know yeah although it's funny just before you go on just in terms of aj mm-hmm. we get two great lines during that short time yeah. he spends with livia the first thing that she says is i thought you were janice which again we get these kind of indicators about like who I don't know who David Chase sees AJ as and like yeah. who AJ might become. It's never good. There's never like good indicators of right. for AJ. But yeah, I thought you were Janice. There's a great scene actually when Janice and Tony are talking about the DNR and actually Janice brought it up to Tony with the intention of manipulating, I believe. And then she actually gets Tony after multiple confrontations to agree about them living in the house because he says that it would be worth it to see them together. But one thing that we see in the background is AJ actually eating ice cream. Right. Which is like, again, we've seen that he was eating 
ice cream at the end of Down Neck with right. his dad when he after Tony was exercising. Yeah. And there's been a lot of talk of salads in right. this episode and actually like a cut to salads. Yeah. Right after that that was brought up. Yeah. Amongst also like the classic like meat <laughs> imagery that we're seeing. But yeah. AJ's just kind of in the background like eating something yeah. unhealthy that they've already kind of established as a symbol. And it's interesting how Janice is using, I mean, it's pretty morbid, using a do not resuscitate about, you know, essentially letting their mother die to manipulate getting into the house. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like the level of sociopathy in this episode in particular yeah. really reaches a new level. The introduction of Janice, and now that she's been flushed out as a character, really means that watching this show, there's like a new level of just kind of constant Machiavellian maneuvering. Mm -hmm. The other one that's really interesting is Meadow says, there's no trust in this family. Check the mileage if you want to when she says that she's driving AJ. Again, acting angelic. But where does she go? We don't really know. She says something. She says something about Hunter. Oh, yeah. Scangarello. And maybe she's like volunteering there or something. Yeah, I think they were going to... It's it's. She wasn't going there to hang out with Livia. Okay, that's, yeah. That's what we know. Yeah. But again, that's interesting because they're playing this kind of like angelic character going to visit their grandmother. Meadow's not even doing that. Turns it against them, which is something that we've seen Tony do, even yeah. against Meadow, like in college. Yeah. Check the mileage if you want to, and then that's a lie. I also like when Janice asks her, like, you know Grandma well. Like, what's she into? And she yeah. says, I don't know, negativity. negativity. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a good line. Yeah. There was another one of manipulation that I thought was really interesting and used some symbols. Um, the first time Janice confronts Tony and they're out by the pool, which first of all is mm. just like, a kind of like a fascinating image. Tony's out there with his feet in the There's like a in the glow water. of the pool. There's a glow. Yeah. He's smoking a cigar, which is typically like a scene of him kind of being in control, which I'll reference in a second. But he actually says, that's why I moved out here, a little bit of nature. And we've talked a lot about that house being well, she, surrounded she's by she's talking nature. about missing the fireflies. Yeah. So, and with his feet in the water, you know, there's a lot of the imagery of the kind of like eternal that Tony's surrounded by in that moment. But we see a similar glowing light on Livia mm -hmm. after she calls Carmela. Yes. Later on the episode, like almost the same color as mm -hmm. the glowing pool. In yeah. The yeah. Um, but one that was an interesting interaction between the two of them where they're going back and forth on what they can do. And Tony says, we'll take her back to Greengrove. And then Janice says, you know, I don't have that kind of money. And then Tony kind of smirks, smokes a cigar. Janice takes out a cigarette again like a very clear usage of cigarette as lack of control, cigar as control, mm. which we've seen a few times now mm. as well. So I thought that, you know, that was that was really interesting. But again, Janice is coming out there, you know, she says, I know it's not your favorite subject, I don't want to harp on it, but like she has a mission. Agenda, yeah. She has an, an agenda. And, you know, she's out to serve herself. And yeah. she is now maneuvering as much as she can to get those things to happen. Yeah. Um, the other character, like we have the other manipulation going on is like now we have juniors back out into the world, right? Yeah. So like he's clearly like made some maneuvers and manipulated to get there. Um, but the one thing that we go back to is kind of his inability, I, I think his real inability to accept that it was Livia who manipulated him mm -hmm. into the right. hit on Tony. And I believe him. I believe him when he says to Tony, like, she didn't manipulate me. Like, he yeah. can't He can't see it that way. Right. You know, like, it, whether it's, like, you know, that he really truly believes that or it's, like, he doesn't want to lose face. Well, it's, like, the same thing as in the last episode yeah. where when 
they're asking him to flip and they say if you testify yeah. that Tony is the boss and he says that strewns like there's yeah. no you know there's no way my nephew could handle it yeah um so yeah like he's actually unable to process and deal with maybe some of the realities of what's going on yeah. around him yeah i think it was interesting too in terms of like what they called for livia like this like face saving therapy right like juniors trying to save face mm -hmm. and so hmm. You know, like that's, I don't know, that just made me think of that for some reason. Like, how do people protect their own image? Right. Um, yeah. Totally. Um, there's what the next bigger thing that I wanted to talk about was um, this focus on the greatest generation, um, the story of World War II, and then the focus too on um, the Reverend. Senior, James Senior, mm -hmm. and also Junior and Livia. I feel like this episode kind of starts to zero in on those characters of that older generation, that golden generation, mm. but really starting to examining them as a generation that is on the verge of dying. Right. And passing like the going torch. extinct. Yeah. Yeah. And that conversation between Tony and Reverend James Senior, when the last one dies, it signals the beginning Junior. of the last stretch for us. No, that Senior. Junior. Junior. Yes, Junior. You're correct. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tony and Reverend James Jr. at the very end of the episode, James Jr. says when the last one dies, it signals the beginning of the last stretch for us. Right. You know, Tony's referring to himself as a kid, and there's something delusional about that as well. Yeah. And as yeah, that greatest generation kids. is moving on, there's something that's happening here where all those values that Tony and the monsters hold to be so dear and they talk about you know especially like in that um the cold open in the second episode where they really establish like those things that they hold true mm. and they're talking about like the values of the mob and how things mm. are going to shit well, well and the line in this episode where he says like i forget exactly how he prefaces it but like the young guys they're all uh drug addicts yeah uh, whatever, right? Yeah. They're all me, me, me. And he's really like, it seems like he's really referring to, like, we've talked before about, like, Christopher, how he stands out as different. Like, they always, like, he's not, he doesn't have the same commitment to the values yeah. and stuff like that that the older generation did, right? Yeah. Like, he is a different generation. Yeah. And so it's interesting to think about that, like, passage. Well, of and time. we see that too. I mean, for example, even Reverend James Jr. compared to Senior was hiding sure. this from his dad. And yeah. Tony says, you know, I can see that, that he would have been disapproving of yeah. this. And I think it's it's fascinating. Even also that that last song, Good Night, My Love, that mm. they're playing, the Benny Goodman recording. Um, there's something about James Sr. dying, Junior falling, and having this mm -hmm. kind of like weakening moment old, old where he moment. yeah where yeah. he relies on tony to kind of carry him yeah. and that old song coming from the 1930s mm. as he leaves like good night my love there's something about mm. that generation kind of leaving mm. for me mm -hmm. it's like a farewell or something to those mm -hmm. values because it continues to be watered down yeah and i think we start to see a lot of the mistakes that the parents made of the great generation and the <laughs> next generation reflects on and realizes they're making the same mistakes and we see the next generation falling into some of the same traps yeah. and in fact there's just kind of like this development of mistakes that leads from one generation to yeah. the next well it's just different like we even see it with like 
Junior's house and Livia's house, for example, and there was a reference to that in this episode. Like, Jan- I think it's Janice that said, like, Daddy bought that house, right? Yeah. She said that to Tony. And their houses are quite um, average yeah. houses. And then, of course, we see a shot of Tony's home, which yeah. is this, like, you know, Mondo mansion. Yeah. Um, like, just kind of the values of the 1950s, I guess. I don't know. Like, the kind of that, whatever, that golden generation that they they lived a little bit more humbly, I guess. Mm-hmm. And kind of this whole, like, the whole thing with with Livia's trying to return to her house and Janice really wanting this house, it's not that great of a house, right? It's, and we know from last episode that it's been, like, ransacked by... right. Um, teens. You know, by teens. Teen right? So we see that too, right? Like this thing that was so important to them. And Janice did say, like, Daddy bought that house. And that would have been, you know, in the yeah. whatever, in that generation, like a really big deal to buy a house, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. Um, just made me think of the differences between, like, how we see the older generation and then we see Tony's generation. Yeah. And then we see, like, Christopher's generation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. And AJ and Meadow, you know, there was a right. few things with them actually. One, AJ's kind of hilarious fascination with DNA it's in this really episode. Funny. Yeah. Basically, every scene he has, he's somehow bringing up DNA, yeah. which is interesting because that's a particularly positive focus for him compared yeah, to what like we've seen previously. Yeah, he's like doing a school project. Yeah. Yeah, and he's really into it. Now, what's interesting about that is there's like a scene where there's that cut to salad actually that I was talking right. about. Yeah. And they're going to sit down. AJ's talking about DNA. Carm's not really listening to him at all. And he's kind of bringing up these things and like looking for a reaction. She just kind of like glosses over yeah. it, which is interesting, I thought. that like he's, She's not really listening to him. He's not yeah. really getting engaged by anybody on DNA. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when he goes to Olivia and he's like, I know what DNA is, but what's DNR? Yeah. But he actually doesn't get anything from her either yeah. in terms of engaging him on something that's positive and of yeah. interest to him at the time, or anybody. And the big one, and this is another, what I feel is an introduction of kind of like a symbol mm. or just like a metaphor in this show, mm. is Meadow as a driver. Mm-hmm. So she talks about passing her test and that she had to parallel park, mm-hmm. but it was you know difficult. She didn't think she was going to do it, but they mm-hmm. passed her anyway, mm-hmm. which is interesting because that's a direct link to the last episode where Meadow is parallel parking. Mm-hmm. I spoiled it. Meadow parks a car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I still recommend that you watch the show. It's totally worth it. There's some other things that happen. There's a few other things that happen. That's the big one. Yeah. But that's, you know. That's what happens at the end of the whole show is Meadow parks a car. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> but uh, it is, it's kind of these, like for the, for Meadow, it's an interesting one. And there, we see this with other characters too. It kind of shows you like, mm, like the impact of taking a shortcut on things too exactly. or something. Like, yes. Um, and all, yeah, that's kind of what I was. I like was, even with AJ, like he's looking he's looking for other people to kind of do this project for him in some ways. Like he's asking, he's like, I need to do this project. Yeah. Um, do you know how many, whatever they say, like in a DNA chain, right. how many, whatever there are. Right. Um, I don't really know that much about DNA either, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, and then Meadow, you know, like passing her test, you know, well, there's, maybe, there's because, maybe because she's a soprano. I don't know. Right. Like we, we don't, don't know, know that, but yeah. we do know that she's driving with, 
um, Janice, mm -hmm. who's trying to manipulate her to get information. Yeah. She says, did you just go through a stop sign? Yeah. So she's clearly being a horrible driver. She's terrible. She's not good at this, but she's still getting a pass to go and do it in the world. Mm -hmm. um, she, you know, references, like, I think, like, I think it's Tony who says, like, oh, well, you had the best teacher. Mm -hmm. Well, clearly she didn't. <laughs> but there's, there is a theme in this show of people taking shortcuts, people not putting in the work, and people kind of engaging in behavior that ends up being damaging to others because mm -hmm. they're not really fully qualified or ready for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that Meadow as a driver is interesting because her parents haven't really taken the time to train her, teach her the right way. And there's actually, there's maybe, you know, there, there's something dangerous about that. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But that's interesting because that's the first time that we start to see that. Meadow driving. Well, we see her a little bit in the montage in the season two opener. That's right. She's running over some pylons. She's running over some pylons. <laughs> well, she really sucks at driving. She sucks. She sucks. Okay. What else do you have? I have a few things. I want to talk about Bobby Bacala. That's what I want to talk about. Let's talk about Bobby Bacala. Let's talk about that fat fuck. <laughs> they well, are, there yeah. are so many references to people being fat. There's a lot in this episode. I, my favorite one is Calzone with legs. Calzone with legs. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I thought was interesting is the first scene where Bobby walks in, where we're introduced yeah. to Bobby Bacala. He kind of walks through the plastic drape yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, he has this p suckling pig poster behind him. Yeah, and it says any size suckling pig, I think. Yes, yeah. any size suckling pig. Oh, well, in my notes I said any size suckling pig size, but I'm thinking that mm. that's probably not. Probably not. Any size suckling pig. <laughs> but what was interesting is in the background of that scene where he first walks in, there's literally hanging animals and pictures of steak. Yeah. <laughs> it's just meats everywhere. Yeah. They're just in a room surrounded by meats, which also reminds me to the pilot when Christopher shoots Emil and he's kind of surrounded by the meats and they reference the the sausages and stuff mm -hmm. there there's something kind of like Meaty. for me that ref that relates those scenes of like excessive raw meats mm. with death and the mob mm. with that kind of scene happening in the back yeah it's really kind of overkill how much meat is there like yeah. it would have been enough to be surrounded by hanging pigs and hanging animals but the fact that there's literally like pictures of steaks red steaks and everywhere taking up pretty much every inch of wall space yeah it at least gives a mood to his first scene yeah there's something yeah well it's definitely associating food at, totally. a, at a minimum yeah totally um i don't know like i i really like bobby he's a character i really like and I kind of forgot how we got there, right? Like, he he says, like, I inherited Junior, right? Because mm -hmm. basically, Tony and the other guys are accusing him of being a gossip, like um, the guy who was killed. Parisi. Uh, like, like Philly, yeah. Philly Parisi, yeah. um, who will see Patsy coming up pretty soon, the same actor. Yeah. But um, so they're basically, like, kind of, they were trying to get rid of Junior's crew, basically, right? Yeah. They killed Mikey. They killed Philly. Uh, and these people who are being a gossip. So the thing we know about Bobby is that he's a pretty, like, he's not a gossip, right? Like, he's actually a pretty 
upstanding guy. Yeah. Because he like he and he's he gives a little bit of, you know, back talk to them and stuff like that. But he you know, he communicates their message to Junior. Like he's doing what he's asked of like yeah. what's asked of him. And he's just treated like shit. Yeah. And like, you know, so and maybe he is kind of like one of the more upstanding characters and they treat him like he's trash. Yeah. Well he also um, looks after Junior. Yeah. Like, in a very kind of caring Well, that's, way. I think, his new role. Like, that yeah. wasn't his role before. Right. You know? But yeah. now we see him in this role. Yeah. Um, he also really doesn't get jokes. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Junior has a, gr- has, a, has a joke. Well, it's not a great joke. <laughs> it's a it's, racist joke. It's a racist joke. joke, yeah. I mean, maybe he just doesn't like racism. Maybe. But anyway, all signs are pointing to him not really fitting into the yeah. kind of, like, boys club of the mob. Yeah. I love him. <laughs> there's so many comments, though. There's so many things talking about just, like, fatness and yeah. foods in this episode. There was also that story, the war story. Um, about the Junior guy, yeah. saying even took a fat guy who was, who was in his 30s. Uh, no, who was that, a cook. No, that was, um, oh, that that was Reverend James Sr. That's right. I know you're confused about Junior, Reverend James Jr. This is my And downfall. Reverend James Sr., I know, but... The person who told that story was it. Reverend James Sr. All the prefixes? Is that what those are? Junior, senior? Um, suffixes. Suffixes. See? <laughs> I can't do it. It's confusing. I don't get it. Except for junior. Junior's a prefix. Well, I think that's just his name. <laughs> wow. This is a lot for me. I know. It's a okay. lot. But, yeah, so he tells the story about his time in the war when, because he was 28, Reverend James Sr. Yeah. He was 28 when he went to the war. He says in 43 they were taking anyone. They took yeah. um, even this fat guy that I knew, <laughs> <laughs> who was, already, who was already 34. World. Yeah. You don't want and, to be a fat guy. Well, they are fat. All yeah. of them are pretty fat. All, well, that's, there is that, like, aspect of, like, not realizing. Yeah. And I love that's when, what Bobby like, says. after Tony drives yeah. away. I love how he doesn't say anything to Tony. Tony's face, but yeah. he was like, look in a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> good insult. Yeah, good one, Bobby. Good, yeah. <laughs> Great joke. Yeah. Um, few small things. Do you have some other things? No. Okay. Well, very, I mean, very few. I thought it was interesting that the episode started with a focus on Tony's watch as he goes to meet with Junior. If anything, just to connect the last episode. Mm-hmm. With this like intense focus on the passing of time, mm-hmm. ending off with the song about time, and then starting this episode like with the focus on the yeah. watch, we were kind of following the clocks and watches, kind of like tracking the passage of time in the last episode, moving forward. Well, there's something that kind of like connects those pieces, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is interesting in this show, which is kind of like this like collection almost of short stories, mm-hmm. but it is all pieced together and organized in this larger form. Yeah just kind of see something that kind of references itself yeah well we also have these kind of like i don't know with like grounding moments i guess is the best way i can come up with like we actually have like two dinners in this episode right like we have one dinner where they're talking about like janice like i know it's not your favorite topic but like stuff about the mom and then the next dinner that she arrives late to and is like making excuses for herself, that's when she's like, oh, she's a narcissist. It's always me, yeah. me, me, right? So right. we kind of have this like sense of time passing because we have these like two dinners in a row, right? right? It gives a sense like it's yeah. at least a day later. Yeah. You know? Yeah, using um, food and family time to kind of establish time, Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I thought that it was interesting that Tony is specifically targeting this kind of African-American cause and this African-American 
African-American employment mm, issue mm. and kind of manipulating it from both sides, mm. given his relationship with that community. Yeah. And, yeah, even also just the... Also manipulating in, in junior scene where they're manipulating the judge based on his service in the war. Right. And the... Something... Yeah, there's, there's something kind of like a duality in terms of, like, manipulating causes and mm. issues and oppression mm -hmm. of people mm -hmm. to kind of get these bad actors off the hook. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I was trying to figure out how, like, how that conflict, like, between the construction company and the African-American workers, like, how that kind of was reflected in other parts of the episode. But I think that's really it. Or at least it's something about it. Yeah. Um, but it is. It's like, you know, using these causes that speak to people and that are true, like, you know, truly worthy of concern and then using that to your own advantage. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, it was a great episode. Big surprise. It was. Give it an A, just do, like all the do others. Do they ever, do they sign a DNR for Olivia ever? Oh, good question. Well, well, well let's see. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> cool. So thanks for listening. Yeah. And we'll see you next time. We yep. might have a new character coming up. Some more new characters. A rather uh, big oh, one. Oh, I think so. So keep watching. Keep listening. See you then. Bye. Bye.